two, the Holy Hardwood with Pat and Tony, where your New Orleans Pelicans lose their fourth straight game, 101-104 to the Houston Rockets. Well, Tony, uh, good evening, my friend. Um, like you said, um, our Pels are coming off their fourth straight loss now. Um, seems like things have you know, been up and down over these last four games and, you know, they're, they're working through a number of different issues, but, um, you know, it seemed like a lot of, a lot of those issues last night were, um, you know, not resolved, but, you know, we got a, a better version in that first half and saw a couple promising things, but, um, you know, some of those same issues we have been facing for the duration of this year kind of creeped up and, and showed their ugly heads you know, especially in that fourth quarter, so. No doubt about it, Pat. Um, you know, I kind of think there's a few things that uh, we'll get into during this podcast on kind of where I saw the game uh, be lost at, uh, but I'm just going to go right in and kind of go over some of the stats by the players and some of the team stats, and uh, from there, then we can kind of dive into uh, kind of all the other uh, stuff from last night. Okay. Brandon Ingram had 31 points, six rebounds, five assists on 11 of 24 from the field, three three of 11 from three and six of nine from the free throw line. Zion Williamson had 24 points, eight rebounds, one assists, eight of 16 from the field and eight of 11 from the free throw line. Jonas Valanciunas had 15 points, nine rebounds, two assists on seven of 12. Dyson Daniels had 10 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 of 6 from the field, while also logging 40 minutes. Jordan Hawkins had 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 1 assist on 3 of 8 from 3, 4 of 11 from the field, while also logging 41-plus minutes. Off the bench, uh, Robinson Earl had 5 points. And the team was 34 of 75 from the field, which is 45.3%, 8 of 25 from downtown uh, at 32%. And the team finished 25 of 34 from the line with 73.5%, 49 rebounds compared to 42 rebounds from the Houston Rockets. Uh, Ultimately, looking at the stats, Uh, I see kind of two glaring issues here. Uh, First off, uh, the free throw numbers, 25 of 34 at a 73.5% clip there. Uh, In close games, that's just not going to do it, especially when your two main guys both miss three free throws, uh, and that's a big issue. And also, we creeped up with 18 turnovers again last night, and in close games, uh, those are kind of the two biggest factors, especially in the NBA. If you can't convert from that charity stripe and you're uh, throwing the ball all over the place, it usually results in a loss. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, certainly two areas of focus to, to dial in and spend a little bit of time looking at and, and seeing what the ramifications of those, um, you know, those areas of the game were for sure. Um you know, I, I do think, though, that this game is this is a game that is a little more than stats, right? I know each game's a little different, and some games um, paint a better picture 
in regards to stats and some some differ. Um, this is one where I would say would, would differ. Um, you know, first, I think, let me preface this with, you know, Houston's a pretty good team. You know, uh, they've certainly been trending in the right direction. Um, I believe with that win last night, they've won five straight, um, have top 10 numbers offensively and defensively. Um, you know, it's a team that's playing really good ball. They're playing inspired, um, you know, on both ends, especially with that new uh, coaching staff led by Ime Udoka uh, coming into place and, and really kind of rebuilding the culture there and setting a new precedent of how they're going to play. Um, you know, one thing I can really appreciate, especially from a team like the Rockets, is, you know, that front office certainly could have, you know, sat on their hands last year and, um, you know, kind of just kept the same core of guys and just, you know, kind of fell in love with that natural progression that every team seeks, you know, when you have a long, younger roster and let them, you know, kind of figure it out themselves and just see who rises to the top and, and who, um, you know, crumbles and allow that to kind of be the way that, or what drives, right, the decisions moving forward. But they really did, you know, the opposite of that. They they saw that they had two or three guys that they were really high on, you know, guys such as Jalen Green, um, you know, Alfred Sengun and, and Smith there on the wing. So, um, it looks like those three, the core three young guys, um, and then they, they went out and found pieces that fit alongside of them, you know, seamlessly and, and Fred Van Fleet and, um, you know, although I hate to say it, Dylan Brooks, right. Um, you know, Dylan brought that, that nasty attitude, that, that tough, um, defensive minded guy, um, to the locker room and to the, you know, rotation. And then Fred obviously is, um, you know, he, he distributes, he can score, but he's also kind of like that calming factor, um, especially towards the end of games that you saw that they got the ball in his hand for the last, you know, four or five minutes of that game. And he really dictated pace and tempo, um, you know, and ultimately, um, you know, that's something that we did not have, right? We, we struggled to deal with their, um, you know, pressure and we were delayed and in getting into a lot of our sets, which caused a lot of turnovers and, um, you know, low percentage shots. So, um, you know, just wanted to preface that with I was impressed with that Houston Rockets team. Certainly every loss is one that, you know, you don't you're not in love with. But, you know, that's a team that's trending in the right direction, is playing the right way and, you know, is built to give, um, you know, the Pelicans um, certainly some issues on a night to night basis. No doubt about that, Pat. Uh, kind of like what I saw from that game is, you know, towards the end of that game, I, I would say the Pelicans played pretty good for about 44 minutes of that game. And then when there was about four uh, minutes left, you truly saw that toughness from, uh, you know, Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Fleet, uh, Jeff Green even got in there and uh, was throwing his weight around and making stuff difficult. So, you know, you got to give them credit where credit is due. Um, you know, 44 minutes, we played pretty good. And then that last four minutes, you kind of saw those veterans just take control, make the big shots, be tough on defense. Uh, we're more scrappy, and uh, that's just kind of how some of those games end up being. And it's it's really unfortunate because you know they are a younger team and just have a couple veterans alongside them. Uh, but I, I really wish to see our group, you know, get a little bit more of toughness. And I think you saw in spurts that you would see when. Things may have been going bad, and you know you saw Jonas getting into it a little bit, and you know Dyson was being strong, and a couple of different people. So 
I think it's in there for the team to be tough and everything like that. I just think we just got to keep building on, you know, these games, game in and game out. But, you know, you just got to clean up a few turnovers here and there and then just make those free throws like we've said in previous podcasts because at the end of the day, a lot of games are going to be close and those are the things that are going to do it for you. Yeah, let me ask you, I mean, based on that feedback, I mean, who are who are guys, you know, in the rotation right now for New Orleans that you kind of see have the criteria to provide that, you know, I don't want to say veteran leadership, but maybe that composure and that poise coming down the stretch. I mean, you know, who is it that you think is willing or, and able to ultimately fulfill that role? Because, you know, maybe we have a difference of opinion, but, um, you know, I certainly don't see a lot of candidates that aren't only not willing potentially, but, really don't have the resume nor experience to, to really lean on. Yeah, I mean, the obvious answers that you hope would be BI and Zion. And it, it's it's tough because you truly see in games like that how much you truly miss CJ McCollum on a night-to-night basis. It's just with those little things by, you know, the last four minutes of the game, we couldn't really get into a set and, you know, unfortunate for Dyson Daniels, who was having to handle the ball majority of last night, you know, did a pretty dang good job. It's just he hasn't been in that situation, you know, all too often in his early career. So uh, just having that steady, fast C.J. McCollum out there who can get you into the set, into a set and get people to where they need to be, uh, that last four minutes there just wasn't it seemed like a guy who just said, hey, this is what we need to do and this is how we need to do it, which is very unfortunate because by now I think B.I. and Zion should be those guys that are willing to step up and can, you know, make sure that these games don't get out of hand because with about five minutes left, you're up seven, you you should be able to pull that win out and you see that uh, a younger team with Houston go on a 16-6 run. So it's it's very alarming that you don't have anybody – that has stepped up into that role with the absence of CJ being out. Yeah. And you know, that's a fair point. Uh, I also think that maybe, you know, with a situation like that, and obviously the, the logical answer that a lot of people, you know, including yourself for, for a lot of really good reasons would, would turn to CJ. Right. But I think we also can't have revisionist, you know, history when looking back at this, you know, there were a number of times last year, right. When CJ was playing, um, and, you know, he, he didn't illustrate, you know, for the team that he was a high quality ball handler and decision maker, especially late games, you know, that's kind of why we went away from CJ and we kind of got the ball into BI's hands, you know, later in that year, just because we were having issues with CJ, um, you know, taking on that responsibility. Now, my hope is that obviously, you know, this is a new year, a new system, you know, maybe it fits him better and, you know, maybe he's continued to grow as a primary ball handler and decision maker. But um, I think it's an important thing to keep in the back of our mind that, um, you know, we can't just only take it at face value for, you know, CJ McCollum, the name, CJ McCollum, the experience, you know, the number of years in the league, you know, he's also, ish, you know, illustrated, um, you know, weaknesses in that area for sure. So, um, you know, this is an area that we've been struggling with for, at least two years, you know, maybe even creeping into, into three years, but, um, you know, it, it looked like there certainly wasn't a, a lack of want to from Brandon and Zion. Um, I, 
I didn't see either one of them shy away from wanting the ball or, or doing that, um, which is, you know, a positive start. But I think both of them were very poor in their execution for, you know, different reasons. Um, you know, and we can get into that if you want to speak a little more detailed on, on those actual, you know, possessions coming down the stretch. But I also think that we need to do a better job of um, especially knowing the situation that those guys are in, you know, neither one of them having a ton of experience, um, you know, for different reasons, whether that's injuries or, um, you know, just not being in a lot of big time close games, um, you know, towards the end of the year, you know, you don't really have a, a chance to learn from that. But, um, you know, I, I would really like to see the coaching staff, you know, maybe become a little more hands on, you know, down the stretches of these games. It seemed like, there for five, six possessions in a row, we just kept going back to the same, it wasn't even the same play, you know, it was like, like you had mentioned, it's the same just motion, it's the same look, essentially, that we're just kind of, essentially dribbling the ball up and really not even at an effective pace, we're kind of getting into everything late, but we're just running a, a simple, you know, flex or UCLA cut across the top of the key and pretty much, you know, kicking it over to either Zion or Brandon and pretty much having them go, you know, either one-on-one or, you know, a one-five pick and roll, which, I mean, it just it was a lot of standing and watching. And, you know, I think regardless of who you want to go to in that situation, I'm fine with, with either one of them. And I think everything should be matchup dependent. And maybe you pick your spots a little better up and down the floor each possession. But, you know, I, I don't want to just see for five minutes straight coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter, we're just going to roll put a guy at the top of the key and let him just go one-on-one, especially, I mean, as much as you you can hate the guy, I mean, Dylan Brooks isn't an effective defender, right? He's a physical guy. He's strong. moves his feet. He knows how to play off the refs. So it's not the easiest matchup. But, you know, if we are going to go to those guys, um, let's get Zion, uh, you know, maybe clearing out a side, going a little bit more. Um, not so much 1-4 flat, right? Let's just get him on a side, maybe with a shooter, um, and have him deal with a little less. And then Brandon, let's get him in that, in that you know, mid-post, pinch-post area, where he's not having to catch that thing at 30 feet and take three, four dribbles to get to the rim and, um, you know, make a play over a bunch of guys or contend with getting around, you know, pesty defenders that are picking at the ball. So I think we just need to take a little bit of pressure off those guys because, you know, unfortunately, with CJ down, you know, this is going to be the new norm for a while until we, um, you know, are able to get the rest of the guys back and healthy. But I think the, the coaching staff should take it upon themselves to, you know, really become more hands-on and, and really put them in a position where, you know, it just has a little bit more flow and rhythm and we're not getting down to the late shot clocks, you know, under 10 and, and having to scramble to even get a get a look up. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, what, what do you feel about, you know, Dyson Daniels being put into that position to handle the ball late? Or would you like to see, like, a Brandon or Zion at least, you know, maybe that deters from Dylan Brooks being so handsy with those guys because they'll be coming off of screens where Dyson's basically waiting for those guys to get open. And that's where you saw maybe a couple turnovers come up late where maybe if you do give Brandon or Zion the ball, just coming up the floor, it makes it a little more difficult for Dylan Brooks to be handsy and stuff. Yeah. He can still be up in there in their space, but I mean, me personally, I like that look a little better and then trying to work off of that. But, I mean, you know, to teach their own, uh, what do you kind of like to see in those situations? Yeah, I think Dyson was good. Um, obviously, his margin of error is a lot smaller than the other two's. Um, 
you know, like you said, yes, it does present some it's, it's some advantageous situations where you are able to get, um, you know, Brandon Zion on different areas of the floor and not having so much pressure to contend with. But I also saw a lot of issues, not just when either one of them are handling the ball. I saw issues getting them the ball off of a primary, um, you know, either it was a pin down or like we said, a UCLA cut, like we were struggling to get them the ball from Dyson. So, I mean, I, I don't think it was, it's as cookie cutter just to say, oh, let's just get Dyson the ball and then we're fine. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on him. You're asking him to do a whole lot, which he did really well. He handled what was thrown at him with, um, you know, with a lot of success and did a good job. And, you know, I don't think you can really harp on anything he produced. I think it's just it's just the case that this team has to fight through. And I sure I can assure you that other teams are going to see that tape and they're going to, you know, mimic the same type of thing. So it's only going to get harder from here. But, um, you know, especially games like this, you can really feel that you don't have a true point guard on the roster, right? It's one thing to do it in, in spurts or possession of possession, but to have to roll, um, you know, your two forwards essentially to take on that, you know, responsibility all the time, you know, that's a tough place to live. And then especially um, heavily relying on a guy like Dyson. Um, you know, I know a couple games back we saw there were some good runs and some good stints where um, Herb was initiating the offense, um, which is good because it gets him from just a stand and, stand in the corner, catch and shoot guy where they're kind of helping off him. Obviously if he's handling the ball and distributing, um, you know, they're going to have to be more engaged guarding him just as, you know, respecting a, a ball handler. So um, my hope is we can hopefully get her back here shortly. Um, I think that's the most realistic, um, you know, first man up that could really provide some additional support. There is, is bringing a guy like her back into the lineup, especially late games and, and having him initiate. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. Anytime you can get her back in the lineup, that's going to help you defensively. But like you said, with more of a role of him handling the ball to take a little pressure off of those other guys. Um, just to kind of piggyback off of that fourth quarter, I mean, it, it's hard to believe that, you know, Jordan Hawkins or Dyson Daniels didn't even attempt a field goal that whole quarter, and they basically both played the whole duration. So that kind of just tells you right there that the ball may have been sticking a little bit, but at the same time, you know, you were getting some shots from your main guys uh, getting to their spots. It just, you know, wasn't converting late for us. Yeah, I mean, you look at the 12-minute quarter, I mean, unfortunately, four or five of those minutes, I don't think anybody was getting any shots. You know, we were struggling to even, you know, get the ball and turn and face the rim, let you know, let alone get them touches. You know, we were playing a lot of – east and west instead of north and south you know we were playing sideline to sideline and, and we weren't able to even get close to getting inside the the perimeter and putting pressure on the rim so um you know it's it's unfortunate that they lost but i think you saw it right you saw what that looks like and and you experienced that and obviously that one's going to sting but i think you know learn from it but you got to flush it right there was a lot of good things that came from it i think we saw a lot of good spurts um, like I said, that's a good team over there, but you know we just got to take it on ourselves, and and that's why I said the coaching staff's got to take some responsibility for that as well, right? We we've got to put these guys, you know, this is this is the new reality right now until we get some other guys back and, and you know can distribute the responsibility across a couple of them. We've we've got to really cover up for any of those weaknesses, and maybe those weaknesses over the time, right? They start to dissipate and they get more comfortable and. Um, it doesn't become as much of an issue, but you know, over the next couple games, if we're in those positions again, 
Um, I think the biggest thing is just really putting them in a position to succeed and, and not really exposing, um, you know, some areas of weakness. Yeah, totally agree on that one. And something I did like to see is kind of that start from the Pelicans and especially from their main three guys who were out there last night with uh, B.I., Zion, and Valanchunas. Uh, I think this was truly the first game where you saw Zion be really aggressive from the jump, and you saw that. He ended up with 14 points in the first quarter. B.I. had eight, and Jonas had seven. And, you know, they shot combined 11 of 13 from the field. And, you know, that's a really good sign. But then you kind of saw as the game went on, uh, I don't know if Zion was tired or whatnot, but it just seemed like it just wasn't as impactful those next couple quarters, which, you know, that stuff happens from game to game and everything like that. Brandon started to get it going uh, different parts of the game as well. So uh, that was just one really bright spot that I saw was just, you know, all three of them being aggressive and trying to get to their spots and get to the free throw line. Cause ultimately I think, you know, everyone's best game BI and Zion included is when they get, you know, North of five to 10 free throws a night, you know, that's only going to help them uh, with their scoring and, you know, get a little confidence by hopefully seeing that ball go through early. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think it was a strong game. Uh, I'm not going to – it's it's too early for me to say anything about JV. Uh, you know where I stand with JV. For whatever value he might have provided offensively, a possession here or there, you know, he also had a lot of big-time mistakes coming down the stretch there that, you know, um, whether it was some offensive fouls, some four screens, some – um, just bad decisions, right, on, on his behalf. So um, understood that, yeah, JB did provide some offensive um, support, but at the same time, I, I, I can't move off of the things that I've been sedating, right? I mean, it's just – I mean, love the guy, but, I mean, he's he's just not providing a lot of a lot of positive minutes right now. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the time that we're struggling as a group is, is stemming from him. Um, you know, we've gone into greater detail and, and we'll leave that in those um, different videos, you know, might have a chance to, to speak more about it, you know, after some, some coming games. But, um, you know, segueing from him, yes, I was really happy with Zion's first um, quarter. He was very aggressive. He, he did look like he had a, a little bit more fuel in the tank. And maybe that was after, you know, getting some extended rest um, after missing that last game. Right. He probably got you know, got off his feet for a day or so, probably was feeling pretty good physically coming into that game. Um, really liked everything I saw from him. He even looked a, a touch more engaged defensively, not in terms of, um, you know, rotation-wise, but you could see he was a little bit more um, aggressive in, in trying to, you know, deflect some some passes or, or block a shot or contest a shot around the rim. But, um Really, a lot of it, I think he was fine offensively coming down um, in that second half. Like you said, he was letting B.I. play a little bit. Um, you know, I see he kind of got it going there for a couple minutes stretch. But I think Zion was, was good offensively. I think the biggest thing, I think it, it stems back to the to the coaching stuff. I mean, I don't care who you are. You know, if you give a team a steady diet of the same sets and same looks and same actions for – two and a half quarters, like, especially a team coached by Ime Odoka, you know, a defensive-oriented guy who's, who's not going to allow a guy to, 
you know, really get off and continue going to the well with the same thing. I didn't see any change in that second half. I didn't see any other creative ways of getting him the ball and in places that he's effective and, um, you know, ultimately allowing him to kind of continue that hot hand. I saw we just pretty much said, Hey, we're going to do the same thing. They've adjusted to it. So let's, let's go do something else. So I think that's an area that, that needs to be improved and was certainly an opportunity that was, um, was lost there with, with Zion's early, um, you know, hot hand. Yeah, and uh, I'll just uh, let you speak on B.I. tonight. And, uh, did you see something different from him tonight? I mean, it seems like he's gotten into a little bit better of a rhythm uh, the last couple games. Uh, seems to be getting to his spots and, you know, rising over people. And then you saw he took 11 three-pointers tonight. Were you okay with that? Did you just like to see the volume of it, and he still had confidence shooting it late by hitting those two late threes. Uh, so just speak on that and kind of what you saw from him or what you liked or didn't, didn't like. That. Yeah, it feels like there's been a microscope on on his game probably the last three or four, um, especially with, uh, you know, Zion and CJ being out. So obviously everybody was looking at his game and, um, you know, providing a lot of feedback uh, on the way that he's been playing. None of my, what's the right word for it? You know, none of my perception of how he's playing or, um, you know, critiques of how he's playing is going to be stemming from the fact of how many shots he hits. I, I don't really care about that. That's, I know he's, he's an efficient player. It seems like he's one of these guys, and we've talked about it, you know, he might start one for five. But the next thing you know, you look up, he's four for eight, right? He, he does a really good job of kind of getting back to that, um, you know, 48 to 50% shooting percentage. Um, so really never ever uh, a concern with his efficiency or if he's going to, you know, get back and into a rhythm within these games. But the, the biggest thing that I use, especially lately, to really judge the way he's playing and the way that he's, you know, attacking defenses is, is that shot profile. Um I think tonight was his best shot profile in terms of where he was getting shots, where he was manufacturing offense, and, um, you know, just his, um, you know, focus on kind of switching that up. I mean, really the last couple games before that when, when people were saying that he was struggling and that was kind of the consensus, you know, he went away from Brandon Ingram, the three-level scorer. He turned into Brandon Ingram, the one-level scorer. Um, and, you know, maybe some of that was, like we said, coming off of injury, trying to find some rhythm, um, you know, him kind of focusing his efforts and his shot attempts on something that he feels the most confidence in, which is that, you know, 18 to 20 foot mid-range shot. Um, but tonight he, he had um, a lot of really good drives to the basket. I, I actually wish he would do it more often. Um, I, I don't know if you have the number in front of you, but I believe I saw a statistic that um, so far this year, inside six feet, he's 15 of 20 for 75%. So he's doing a really good job of finishing around traffic and getting to the rim and, um, you know, finishing some of those tougher layups and finishes. So obviously when he's, you know, putting his head down and, and not only, um, you know, converting at a high level, but he's drawing some fouls, getting himself to the free throw line. Um, you know, he's doing a better job of helping the team get into the bonus quicker. Um, so obviously that's, um, a positive and is advantageous for the rest of the group. Um, but also, like you touched on, three-point attempts. 
I, I don't. I think what is the number? Do you have it in front of you? What he is for the from the three point line this season by chance? Six of thirty. Yeah, so he's six of thirty. I I, I couldn't care less if he was six of thirty or if he was fifteen of thirty. I uh, he's not a guy to me that his makes and his misses make a massive difference in terms of the way that people are covering him. I think that he just needs to do, um, you know, a good job each night of penciling in, hey, it doesn't need to be 11, but it needs to be five or six. Because I know he's very capable of having games where he shoots four of six from three. And yeah, he'll have a game where he's 0 of six or one of six. And that's fine because it keeps, you know, the defense honest. It buys him an extra step when going to the rim. And it also, you know, it buys everybody else. I think we saw possession late, especially I think the one you were referring to that was about five minutes left, or it might've been a touch earlier, but they pushed it to seven after that um, BI three in the corner coming off of the drive by Zion. Um, you know, Zion was able to manufacture that shot by BI by his, you know, ability to get downhill and put pressure on the rim, but vice versa as Brandon continues to shoot more and more at a higher clip, especially with a lot of volume and starts making those, that guy's going to have to play one step over, and, and that's a lot of extra finishes around the rim and getting to the free throw line for Zion. So that's a way that Brandon can, you know, help Zion and not actively, you know, play with Zion, but the way that he's navigating his game and how he's shooting shots throughout the game, he's helping Zion, right? So um, I thought in terms of that, outside of the last four minutes, which, I mean, we're – we're really not going to harp or, or speak much on about Zion or Brandon. I think the consensus would be neither one of them handled it great. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll be the first one to say that they need to do better and uh, be more effective down the stretch there. But outside of that, I thought he played really good. Um, you know, he seemed to be – he looked a little more active um, physically, right? I saw him go after a couple um, extra longer rebounds. I saw him contest a shot or two around the rim and – uh, either block it or just graze it and catch a piece, which, you know, I think both of them we actually got stops on. So I think all in all, um, this was the best-looking Brandon we've seen this year. And, again, that is solely just on the way that his shot profile and that shot diet of his is looking rather than being really um, focused on just, you know, really bailing the defense out every single possession. Because, I mean, he is a fantastic mid-range shooter. He's one of the best um, percentage-wise shooters in the league from there but you know he's got to realize you know when he you know he's six nine coming downhill and he's long it it puts a lot of pressure on these teams defense and you know although he is great at shooting those mid-range sometimes you know him bailing out for that is giving the defense a break so I was happy to see him really kind of revert back to that three level scorer profile I couldn't agree more with that and just kind of like you were saying, I think the more he can get downhill and get to that rim, you know, creates more opportunities for him to get to the line, which ultimately I think that's the biggest thing with any player's game is the more they get to the line, the more they can get an easy bucket here or there and see the ball go through. That confidence definitely rises. I mean, and he should be taking advantage of any time he can get to the rim. You know, he's put on some strength. He's long. You know, he's been shooting at a high clip, you know, once he gets into the painted area. So, I mean, I think it's only positive the more he does that and then, you know, slowly work his way out to that mid-range shot and that three. And I think you'll see, you know, the percentages go even higher than they are right now. Yeah, I think that's a key for him. Um, I think everything stems from just 
um, you know, that field goal chart at the end of the game. If you see everything bunched up in one area, that probably spells for a game that um, he wasn't as engaged as he possibly could be. He still might have a nice night, but that's where you see the difference. You know, the nights that Brandon has 22 to 24, and it feels like he's made a lot of shots, those are the games that he's having to work for a lot and, and hit a lot of tough contested shots, which he does a really good job of. Um, but I think it ultimately makes him, it makes it easier on him when he's shooting shots from all three levels. And especially that's where you saw a jump like tonight where, you know, instead of 23, 24, you know, he was able to eclipse 30 and, and end up with, I believe it was 31. So, um, you know, he should totally lean into it again, not saying that he needs to become an incredibly high volume three point shooter, but there's absolutely no reason we can't get him five to six good looks a night from behind the arc. Um, you know, as well as, um, you know, he's going to have to make some of these defenses pay for, for going under screens and trying to catch him on the bottom side to, you know, cut him off on, on any of those mid-range shots. So um, positive sign, step in the right direction. Like you said, hope things just continue to kind of grow from here and, and we can kind of see him ramp up and, and really hit his stride. No doubt about it, Pat. And, uh, you know, pretty crucial uh, early stretch of the season here coming up with, uh, six home games in a row, all against uh, really good teams. A uh, couple uh, mid-season tournament games as well, so it'll be crucial to you know hopefully get a couple guys back here in the next week or two, and you know hopefully defend our home court and get back to our crowd and try to find some momentum in this uh, next six to ten games. Yeah, this is going to be a gauntlet for sure. Um, this is going to be a game that they're going to be tested every single night by other teams' lead guards and and their, um, you know, secondary stars. Um, I know we've got Dallas, who's playing at a very high level right now. Um, Luke and Kyrie are playing very well. Um, I'm eager to see what adjustments we make. I think this is going to be a six-game stretch where, if it were me making the decisions, I think you're going to see a um, substantial decrease in minutes for JV. Um, I just don't see a lot of opportunity on a night-to-night basis that he's going to be able to provide um, you know, a lot of positives for this group just in terms of how many pick and rolls he's going to be put in. Um, you know, and I know a, a lot of the thinking will be, well, Dallas is pretty small. They don't, they have a thin front line, you know, Lively's a rookie, you know, maybe, you know, you know, punish him offensively. Well, yeah, I get it. But every single time you do that, you're trading twos and threes on the other end. So um, ultimately I think that that's a game where, you know, JV is going to be very limited. We're going to have to rely on, um, you know, Larry's going to have to play some more extended minutes, and I think you're going to have to see um, Zion take it upon himself to, to really step into that five spot because um, I think Dallas will have a hard time, um, you know, playing and keeping Zion out of the paint, um, especially, you know, Luka and Zion – I mean, sorry, excuse me. Um, Luka and Kyrie are not the, the best defenders there on the perimeter. I think we're going to be able to – put a lot of pressure um, on the rim, but it's just, um, are we able to, you know, play through some contact and, and finish over some of the, some of the length that lively um, certainly presents there. But I think this is a game that both Zion and uh, Brandon should, and if they are focused, should be able to get to the rim really at will and, and hopefully, um, you know, make that Dallas team pay. Definitely. And uh, especially, you know, you have Dallas two games in a row, so, Hopefully you can learn what you got in uh, tomorrow's game and, you know, then come back Tuesday for your uh, in-season tournament game, especially too, and try to pick up two wins against the Mavericks here. Yeah, 
I, um, you know, I agree with everything you're, you're saying there. It's a big opportunity. Um, same team back to back, you know, that can be a gift and a curse, but if you find something that, you know, is working and is effective and you can make them pay for some of their deficiencies, um, you know, having a quick turnaround and hopefully, um, uh, being able to steal two at home would be, um, would be a really positive step in the right direction. Couldn't agree more, Pat. Um, that's all I got here. Um, if you're done, then we can probably sign off, and then we'll be at it again tomorrow, like we said, with the Dallas Mavericks. Yep, sounds good. Looking forward to seeing the guys and, and what tweaks and adjustments have been made, and uh, most importantly, looking forward to hopping back on here and, and speaking to you about what we've seen and and um, you know talk about, hopefully, the continued growth of the group. Yes, sir, Pat. Uh, excited about tomorrow, and uh, we'll hop on afterwards. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it.